uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how you doing today? Having a good Friday so far? I am, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's been a good week. Time heals all wounds, including the wound of getting drummed by Oregon State in the round of 32. So I feel good. <laughs> good Friday. Yeah, that loss still stings. You just you look at the bracket and the, the door is just wide open and they fell down at the doormat. Couldn't walk through it. That's disappointing. And and again, we all we, we talked about it, how poorly they played, but it just it's it's so disappointing knowing that the opportunity that was there. But that's life uh, in the tournament. At least they were back in the big dance for once. But I want to talk more about that and uh, some other big issue items here coming up in just a second. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And again, they have all sorts of great gear to wear to baseball games, warming up. I played golf yesterday, and it was quite nice. It was quite so, nice. Go get you some some new t-shirts. I haven't ordered just a t-shirt out and about for, for very long now. So go to chrisuniversityspirit.com, get all your cowboy shopping needs done, and we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the pod as always. Well, Colby, I think we should start with Oklahoma basketball needing a new head coach. Long Kruger retires after 10 seasons at Oklahoma. This news was broken by by Colby Daniels and uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I I, I kind of thought in my own mind when the season ended that Oklahoma basketball had kind of petered out a little bit, and next year was really going to be a transition year for them, losing most likely Austin Reeves and Brady Manick and not having a whole lot behind them. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Long Kruger calling it a career? Kind of kind of a surprising bit of news yesterday. Yeah, it was. We were uh, doing some stuff with the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame yesterday and just kind of checking Twitter. And I, I see Colby's tweet that Long Kruger is retiring and then more people start sending it out. Not that I didn't believe Colby. I definitely did. And then I saw it from John Rothstein and some other guys in college basketball. And, you know, I just started to think about just a couple of interactions that I've had with Long Kruger. And, you know, a lot of people in the last 24 hours have tweeted that he is just the absolute best guy you could ever run into. And that is, that all rings true. I mean, Long Kruger was, was awesome. Uh, he was great to the media. He was easy to interact with. He was always in a good mood. He was always happy to see you no matter who you were, whether you were the, the highest guy on the totem pole or the lowest. Uh, so just personally, I, I really always liked Long Kruger a lot. And then from a basketball standpoint, I guess kind of like you said, they, they had the, the final four run with Buddy Heald. That team was awesome. It was a lot of fun. They had Trey Young. And then, I don't know, it just it's kind of started to feel like the program has plateaued a little bit. Uh, like it's just, you know, not that it's it's bad. They got an eight seed this year. They won a tournament game. It's, it's not like the program's in a bad spot. It just feels like it didn't have a ton of forward momentum to continue to get better. Uh, and I think that they'll go out and get a young, hungry coach to replace Lon. But Lon's had an unbelievable career, and, and he was awesome in Norman. So I uh, wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Yep, me too. I mean, I, I covered his introductory press conference, and when he took over at OU, OU was in bad shape. They had two losing seasons prior under Jeff Capel and were really kind of in the doldrums, and it took Joe Castiglione flying out to Vegas twice to get Long Kruger. Long Kruger said no, went back and got more money, and he said yes, <laughs> which which surprised me because Lon had such a good setup there at UNLV. They were kind of They were going to the tournament every year. 
uh, getting higher and higher seeds. He had a man, he had just built a mansion out there in Vegas and he's a big golf nut like you and me, Colby. So he gets to, gets to play shadow Creek and all those great courses all the time. I, I was surprised they got him in the first place, quite frankly, but credit to Joe Castiglione they did. Cause I thought he really brought them back to at least respectability because you're right. Even with, you know, Buddy Heald turning into, you know, a national player of the year was kind of an unforeseen thing. That was a really, you know, Buddy Heald worked so hard to, to get to where he was. Besides that, they basically were a first round, maybe second round type team. They have a, here's a final four, first round, and a and let's see, second round, first round, final four, sweet 16, first round, first round, and, and missed the tournament two years, so solid uh, kind of brought them back to respectability and I, you and I were kind of talking about lawn last week ironically Colby and from like an OSU fans perspective he, he was like a great setup for an OU basketball coach he, he's super likable just a nice guy uh, never really got like these five-star all everything recruits I obviously got Trey Young that was kind of a unique situation with him being from Norman um, but he didn't like recruit the lights out, didn't exactly, you know, threaten to win the big 12 and was a likable guy. So it was kind of a perfect situation for if you were an OSU fan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, again, Long Kruger's so likable. So you like that, number one. And then number two, it's just, there's just a difference between a, a guy like Long Kruger, who's older, who's old school. There's a difference between that and a guy like Mike Boynton, who is is young, hungry, just getting started. I mean, I, I certainly don't expect to have as much energy to get up and go to work when I'm, I don't even know how old Long Kruger is, so I don't want to throw out a number and be disrespectful. But I, I know as I, as I get older, I probably won't have as much energy to come to work and do all the tedious stuff day after day after day. And so, you know, it was the perfect spot. OU was always going to be good enough uh, that it would be a great win and you'd feel good about beating them. Uh, but they were never really going to go out and just load up a roster, kind of like how Baylor's done this year, where it's Baylor's season and they're going to make a, a big, long run and have a legit chance to win a national title. Didn't really get that that feeling under lawn, but it was always going to be a good program. So it was it was kind of the perfect spot. And uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go from here. Cause there are some other jobs that are open, you know, notably Indiana, who I talked about last week with their, their Indiana arrogance, their big 10 arrogance, if you will. So it'll be curious to see what happens from here. Yeah, it will. And I, again, I, I got some, some of those fans came after me because I was like, you know, look, OU's got a lot to sell because they're, they're just a winning basketball program. And I know some people don't feel that way based on, you know, Lloyd Noble being, what it is usually pretty sparsely attended, but Oklahoma has been one of the most consistently winning basketball programs in the country. That's, that's literally what they've been since they won the big eight in 1978, 79. And I've basically been to the tournament or the NI, let's see the tournament every single year, other than like one, two, three, four, five, five, six seven years they haven't gone to the tournament and they've gone to the nit maybe a handful of times besides the tournament so and again they've gone to a final four in this decade they did under under kelvin i mean they they're a big time basketball program that's what they are between uh, dave bliss billy tubbs kelvin sampson jeff capel went to an elite eight uh long kruger obviously we just went through his resume oklahoma's a good job in basketball. I know people don't view it that way. They view it, ah, it's overshadowed by football. And, and that's true. But just look at the history, Colby. The, 
the proof's in the pudding. They're a winning program. They've been far more consistent in terms of winning than Oklahoma State basketball has been. Oklahoma State has had some really high peaks, but they've had much longer and more depth to their valleys for sure. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State obviously was an elite program under Henry Ibn, was an elite program under Eddie Sutton, and has been a very mostly average program otherwise. And, I mean, you could kind of say the same thing for OU, but, I mean, they've had some some good coaches come through, like you talked about, Dave Bliss, Billy Tubbs, uh, Eddie Sutton, and now Long Kruger who've come through. I mean, three of the last four coaches at OU have gone to Final Fours. That's a pretty good selling point. I, I think, to me, the biggest uh, – actually, I'll give you two. I'll give you two things about that job – that water it down just a little bit because on the surface it should be a little bit better job than I think it is and the two reasons Carson are the arena the arena I think is one of the worst in college basketball I was there a couple months ago it's just it's not a good arena it's just not if you think it is I'm, I'm all ears to hear to hear why it's not a good arena so the arena is one and the other one Carson and I, I hate to say it I really don't it's the fan base the fan base doesn't care about basketball. So the coach kind of, I think, would know that coming in. That fan base cares about football, and they watch basketball to kill time uh, until football season comes back around, but that fan base doesn't care about basketball. So I I think that, you know, the history, the tradition, the the Final Fours, all that stuff bodes really well and makes it a really good job. And I think the arena and the fan base kind of even it out to where if I was ranking it on a scale of 1 to 10, and, like, let's say Duke is 10, like getting the Duke head coaching job that's that's 10 out of 10 uh or kentucky 10 out of 10 i think ou's probably uh a six i would say and and there's nothing wrong with that but uh with a good arena and a good fan base i think that it could be a a seven or an eight but as it stands i think it's probably about a six out of ten where would you rank it in the big 12 oh good question i hadn't thought about that see this Uh, is this is this is an exercise i did uh when osu's job came up in the the two or three times under underwood and, and boynton and oh, it ranks it ranks pretty high, but uh, I want you to kind of it obviously ranks behind Kansas, obviously behind Kansas. Correct. Um, what what do we do with Texas? I mean, obviously you can make a lot of money at Texas, but the boosters down there have their heads so far up there, you know what? That I, it's impossible for coaches to accomplish anything down there. Um, Baylor, it's a better job than Baylor, even though Baylor's up right now. It's a better job than TCU better job than tech i don't think it is a better job than oklahoma state i don't think it is just narrowly i think oklahoma state is just narrowly a better job than than oklahoma um iowa state west virginia is it the third best job in the big 12 behind kansas and oklahoma state i oh where would you put it i give I'm having trouble it's tough because you, you you base it on you know history and results but you also base it off fan base, arena, potential. I think I would rank it Kansas one. It's tough. I think I would put, I think I would put Oklahoma state two just because of the fan base. Like even when OU was rolling with Blake Griffin, there were empty seats at Lloyd. The fan base and Gallagher. The fan base and Gallagher are both make it special. When when Mike Boyden had a losing record at the end of the year in Bedlam, they, they, there, the place, there was an empty seat in the house. (laughs) I mean, that to me is the difference just in terms of the passionate fan base in the arena. And also some of the, some of the tradition with, with Iba and Sutton and all that speaks for itself. But I would put OU like, they're 2A, I'd put OU 2B based on 
tradition and history. I mean, this team has Oklahoma has been a winning program since the seventies and it hasn't mattered who their coach has been. They've been a winner. Whereas Oklahoma state, it's basically been two guys in the yeah. literal, in the literal history of the program. So I think that you could argue, though, use a better program for those reasons. They've had more head coaches that have had more success than just the two that OSU's had, but I would probably rank it two and then three Oklahoma and four Texas because okay, so we're pretty much lockstep there. Cause I was, I, I went back and forth between OU and OSU at two and three uh, and, and kind of waffled on Texas. So I think we're pretty much lockstep Kansas, OSU, OU, and then Texas. I know, but once you get past Kansas, I mean, Oklahoma has a real argument is my whole point in this deal because, and people don't view it that way. I don't think, but, it, but that's really the reality of the matter. I know some people are listening to this going, God, why do you think OU so great? I, I just look at the history that's on this Wikipedia page in front of me and the, the list of the seasons they've had. It's pretty jarring how successful Oklahoma basketball has been. It hasn't mattered who it has been. So uh, who, who out of these candidates would scare you? Uh, CBS, uh, David Cobb wrote Oklahoma candidates. Uh, my boy, Eddie Ratto is kind of dogging the guy I think would be the one that would scare me the most. But uh, how about Paul Mills from Oral Roberts? Uh, Paul Mills. <laughs> On yeah. staff with, I'll give you some background. He was on staff at Baylor under Scott Drew from 03 to 2017. So he's a, he's a Scott Drew disciple through and through. Yeah, look, I, I think Paul Mills would be a good hire. He's obviously done great things at Oral Roberts. I, I'm always a little wary of hiring the guy who went on a run as a double-digit seed at a mid-major. You, you know, sometimes those things work out. Sometimes they just got hot at the right time. I mean, a couple of shots going against Ohio State, a couple of shots going against Florida, all of a sudden they're in the Sweet 16. So I don't – it's not that I think that that would be a bad hire. I do think that would be a good hire. But I, I don't know. I, I see OU trying to go out and get their version of Mike Boynton, which is just – young hungry and, and not that Paul Mills is old by any means he's he's 48 he'll be 49 next week so it's not like he's old per se but I just I don't know I feel like I, I see OU uh, going out and trying to get themselves their version of Mike Boynton and I'm not certain that Paul Mills is that yeah I agree with that now I, I certainly don't think they're gonna hire Paul Mills I, I, again a lot of these lists that come out it's flavor of the month who's doing well in March not necessarily who's the best fit for a particular program. And I just would be leery of the flavor of the month. Uh, the next guy on the list, Grant McCaslin from North Texas, another Scott Drew disciple. He was on the staff from 2011 to 2016. He played for Baylor from 95 to 99. Don't remember him, but uh, that's another young kind of hungry coach you were referring to, the, the Grant McCaslin, another, another Scott Drew disciple, Colby. What do you think about him? Yeah, that one, I think uh, I, I would like that hire a little better. That one might scare me a little more. Um, you, you know, obviously, it all comes down to recruiting. You got to have the guys. You got to have the players. That's why Oklahoma State, obviously, is taking a big leap with what Mike Dunn's, Mike Boyne's done over the last two to three years recruiting. Um, and that one would maybe scare me a little bit. So, I, I like that one. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, we don't have to go through everybody here. Uh, Kyle Keller from Stephen F. Austin took over for, uh, for Underwood. Yeah, OSU alum, or I say alum, he, he coached on Oklahoma State staff under Eddie. Uh, 28-3 this year, seems to have kept the ball rolling at Stephen F. There. He's 104-46. and 46. He certainly wouldn't mind coming back to the area, even though he has deep, deep ties to Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know, it depends on what route OU wants to try to go. Again, he's, he's 53 years old, um, really good coach, obviously, down at Stephen F. Austin. It's just, it's, I, I think, a mentality thing. 
you know, I don't know. And, and I don't want to make it all about age because obviously there are so many coaches around the country uh, who are up there in age who are phenomenal, phenomenal basketball coaches and good recruiters uh, and can do both of those things. It's just, I feel like there is this culture shift happening in collegiate athletics where the Lincoln Riley's uh, in football, the Mike Boynton's in basketball are becoming the, the hot candidates, the hot names, the, the guys you want to build a program around. So um, again, it depends on the philosophy down in Norman. Yeah. And see, that's where I think Joe Castiglione is going to want to be careful Colby because he kind of hired the young, hungry, up and coming recruiter in Jeff Capel. He did. And it didn't work. Uh, and then he went to go get a proven head coach in Long Kruger to, just to assure that they weren't an embarrassment. <laughs> so I think he's got a, I think he has to kind of balance that. And I think there's some funny names on this list. How about Kellen Sampson? Would that fire you up? Oh, Kellen Sampson. Oh, that'd be great. Hey, I've got one for you, Carson. How about Kelvin Sampson? Yeah, people have been tweeting and texting me that. Like, there's there's no chance he comes back, happen. right? Not going to happen. No. I mean, he's got Houston rolling kind of like Gonzaga, where you just win your conference, get a two seed, maybe a one if you win, like, 30 games, and just, like, don't even deal with the Big 12 on a night-to-night -night yeah. basis. That seems like yeah. a perfect fit. Hey, I don't think he's coming back. And I look, I don't know. Obviously, he says that he's still got love for Joe Castiglione and stuff. So uh, I'm sure that, that, you know, everything ended on good terms, even as unceremoniously. <laughs> and by the way, as ridiculously as that ended, that you weren't allowed to send text messages in a certain period. It's amazing the time we lived in where that could, you know, derail a coach's. He knew, the, he knew the rules. He knew I the rules. He broke them. I, I still think I still think it was stupid. But anyway, Kelvin's not going to happen, but it's kind of fun to speculate about. Kellen might pull a Sean Sutton and like walk onto the court and take a charge at some point. He's so sporadic and high energy. I, I remember when he played, I played against him in middle school basketball a long time ago, but he was really animated on the bench when he was a walk on for, for Kelvin. Uh, Qantas White, also a Houston assistant coach, uh, played at Oklahoma. Mark Turgeon is on this list. Really? Mark Turgeon's the one name that I think would scare me a little if, of all these names um and look he's not very likable my boy eddie's killing him on twitter right now thinking he stinks uh he's a great coach he wins i think he did a good a great job at a m to get the maryland job i was kind of surprised he went to maryland but he's finished uh, he finished first in the acc last year and the tournament was canceled he finished eighth this year first fifth eighth second third second seventh seventh eighth so he's kind of he started out slow but uh, I think he would. I think he would be kind of a a better version of of Long Kruger in terms of consistently winning. He, he's been in the tournament just about every year. Uh, that 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 name would scare me a little. Yeah, they had some really good guys that come through Maryland there for a while. I think maybe in 2019, last time the tournament was played, I, I feel like I remember them being a three seed or something pretty pretty high up. They won a tournament game this year as a ten seed. Even gave Alabama a little bit of a run for their money in the second round. So uh, Turgeon would be a good one. I. Don't know if I see him leaving Maryland. Do you know where he's from by chance? It says here he was born in Topeka, Kansas. So I would assume. Yeah, he, he played at Kansas for the Jayhawks. Okay. Yeah. So he's familiar the with area. the country then. So I don't know. It depends. Would he leave Maryland to come to Oklahoma? That's maybe he likes it up there. Who knows? Those are all things that come into play. Uh, I don't think that'll happen, but I think that'd be a really pretty good hire for Oklahoma. Yeah. And he coach to wichita state too that's kind of how he came to okay. prominence yep. he was before yep. greg marshall so i think that would be a really good hire um that would certainly concern me more than a 
uh, flavor of the month, uh, March Madness coach. But uh, again, this affects Oklahoma State. I mean, Mike Boynton's going to be going head to head with whoever this coach would be. Uh, there's been a lot of talent coming out of the state of Oklahoma. I know the the top player in the state is committed to Oklahoma right now, a Kingfisher. Don't know if he'll reconsider his options with that lawn or not, but uh, it's gonna be interesting to see who Mike Boynton has to go head to head with because there were years there where Long Kruger was just flat out out coaching Travis Ford. <laughs> that was those were some tough years for me to watch the games and just watch Long Kruger coach circles around around Travis. So we'll have to see who they instill as the as the head coach uh, moving forward. Yeah, those were tough. Uh, by the way, Mike Boynton was hired four years ago yesterday. Uh, actually, he was hired four years ago as of Wednesday. And the reason I know this is because yesterday, Mike Boynton, being the absolute class act that he is, sent out a tweet and he said, March 25th, 2017, the day after I was hired in my current position, I received a call from Long Kruger. He wished me well and asked that I call if I ever needed any help or advice. We competed a few times a year, but I respected him as much as anyone in the game. Enjoy retirement. Hashtag salute. So Mike Boynton showing some love to Long Kruger. I mean, it's pretty obvious over the last 24 hours just how much love there is for Long Kruger. So uh, again, just he's been awesome. Hope, hope retirement is great to him. Yep. Very well deserved. I'm sure he's going to go out back out to Vegas where his son just took over as the head coach at UNLV. I think that had a lot to do with this decision. And you know, he's got a young, young grandkid there and uh, probably wants to get back to that mansion in Vegas and, and watch his kid coach. So that, right. that'll be fun for him. I don't blame him. Uh, speaking of OSU basketball, I know people are probably tired of hearing us talk about the Sooners. I do think that affects Oklahoma State. There's going to be some... That was the big news of the week was, was the long yeah, news, For so. sure. And there's going to be some... Some shakeup with Oklahoma State's roster because Farron Flavors is transferring. That's kind of the way college basketball works. Um, but so that while while there's one leaving, the door's open for Oklahoma State to take in some transfers. They've obviously had a lot of success with Bryce Williams. Uh, Kendall Smith comes to mind as well. So there's a list here that Pistols Firing put out. Uh, I think Marshall Scott wrote the article. Kind of six names, Colby, that that OSU could look at into, into transferring. Number one's guy I'm really intrigued by but for, out of North Carolina, uh, Walker Kessler, seven foot one. Uh, he didn't get to play much, only played eight minutes a game for the Tar Heels, but um, a, a five-star, you know, typically any recruit going to North Carolina. He was out of Georgia. He was number two, number 22 player in the entire class in 2020. So he had offers from all the big dogs. So I don't know what connections there are there, but Apparently his tweet was greeted with uh, Rondo Walker uh, posting like the eyes <laughs> and Bryce Williams responding on me. Uh, so there's some, uh, some recruiting going on just from the OSU players. Yeah. I mean, how could you not be intrigued by this kid? Obviously the size is the first thing that stands out seven foot one, 245 pounds, exactly what Oklahoma state needs in Walker Kessler. Now, obviously a disappointing freshman season at North Carolina. He averaged four points, three rebounds. He only played just a shade under nine minutes a game for a North Carolina team that was not great this year. I think they got in as an eight seed and then got trounced by Wisconsin in the first round. So um, obviously not the freshman season he wanted, but man, if you could get him into Oklahoma State. And honestly, I think Oklahoma State will be a really intriguing spot for him 
because I think he knows that he could come in and fill a need for Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham will be gone, so Oklahoma State will be looking for different ways to run its offense. Avery Anderson's going to be running it. Ice Likely, I'm sure, will we'll spend some time at point facilitating for his teammates. And I think you can make a pretty strong pitch to Walker Kessler that he could come in and immediately be a 25-minute-a-night guy and, and fill up the, the middle for Oklahoma State. So that's a, a big, huge name for me to keep an eye on. Yep, that would be a big, big get. And uh, Boynton's had a lot of success. Cameron Fletcher from Kentucky. Uh, it'd be nice to get one from Kentucky again, just based on the the way the Cade Cunningham deal played out, the way they tried to hose Eddie, the way they hosed OSU this year. <laughs> Frankly, it was the AD was on the committee. So don't know much about him other than another talented recruit, number 70 player in the 2020 class. Yeah, he was. I guess uh, I'm reading here on pencils firing. I didn't realize that uh, he'd been asked by Calipari to step away from the team in December after he had an emotional outburst on the bench. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into that. Look, it's I, I never want to define a young man by anything he does at, at 18 or 19. That's, you know, why when we recorded earlier in the week, you, you know, talking about Maurice Kalu, cut some kids some slack. Now, obviously, if it becomes a, a problem where they're just a knucklehead over and over again, then they'll get that reputation. But I, I wouldn't lock a kid into, uh, you know, being some sort of problem because he had a, an emotional outburst on the bench whenever Kentucky lost to North Carolina earlier this season. Things didn't go well. Obviously, they didn't go well for him at Kentucky. And um, if he didn't enjoy playing for a guy like Calipari, he might just love playing for a guy like Boynton. So I think that's another one that's intriguing. Yeah. Any, any of those other names interest you? Uh, who else we got? Justin Powell at Auburn. Not a not a ton. Christian Brown uh, coming out of Georgia as a as a transfer. Not really. Not doing too much for me. Uh, Jawan Daniels actually. I, I kind of like this kid out of Prairie View A and M. Six foot seven guard. He's from New York. He's a, so he's a big guard and he's from Boynton's home state. And he finished his junior season at Prairie View A and M. He averaged fifteen point six rebounds a game. Also. He shot 46% from three on 77 attempts. That is somebody that Oklahoma State needs. Uh, and yes. he's, told, he's told 247 Sports that his coach has been in contact with Oklahoma State and Creighton. Uh, and Daniel said that he himself has spoken with Oregon State. So there are definitely suitors for Jawan Daniels. I would love to see him wind up in Stillwater and just watch him stand out on the wing and light people up from three. Man, they need outside shooting. <clears throat> and I, I know he played at Prairie View. But I don't care if you're playing in an open gym and you're shooting 46% from three, especially in a game situation, uh, that, that dog will hunt. So that's, they, they desperately need outside shooting, as you saw against Oregon State, Colby. And let, let's face it, like, what if OSU had faced Syracuse this year against mm -hmm. that zone? Like, would they have shot less than 28% what they did against Oregon State? <laughs> uh, man, I, I even, you know, I was watching that uh, Syracuse game with some buddies on that Sunday. And I'm like, guys, I don't want Syracuse to beat West Virginia. Syracuse was a way worse matchup for Oklahoma State than West Virginia. So even when Syracuse won, I was like, well, we've got to root for Houston in the next round if OSU gets through because Houston's a better matchup than Syracuse. Syracuse gets to the tournament. They play that quirky little zone that people haven't seen all year, and they're really good at it because they do it day in and day out. And they give teams problems, and that's what they did to West Virginia. So, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State desperately needs shooting from the outside. It'll, it'll just allow them to match up better with a, a larger variety of teams. Yep, I would agree. So those are kind of some transfer candidates as well. Uh, before we move on to some other topics, Colby, we have to discuss OSU women losing to Stanford uh, earlier this week. And again, they got a horrible draw 
I, I will never understand how a team that tied for the second best record in the Big 12 gets an eight seed against the number one overall seed in the tournament. That makes less than less than zero sense. It is. And then, and then we watch the game, Colby, and we have been just been mystified by some charging calls in the men's tournament. This took it to an absolutely new level. Um, I want to give him credit. I think Trent Laney is the one that tweeted out the, the video clip. This girl for OSU drives the basket, gets tripped, and throws the ball up in the air. And then this, after the fact, Stanford Center just falls to the ground after their feet got a little tangled up, I guess. And just the, the ref's so excited to point the other direction, she calls a charge. And it was one of the worst basketball calls I've seen at any level. I'm talking like YMCA eight year old level, too. It's unbelievable how bad the officiating is. And the women's tournament, I thought, took it to another level. I clipped a, a, another play where Natasha Mack is literally just standing, guarding the girl, and the girl falls down on her own accord because she's so clumsy. And it's a block chart, a block call, a foul on Natasha Mack. She just kind of turns around like, what? What? They just got hosed left and right in that game. It was it was abysmal to watch. And Mike Noteware, who has been with OSU's athletic department for years, said they called about five charges that weren't even close to charges. So it was unwatchable and really just a crime was was committed against OSU's women, women's hoops. Oh, it was. It was committed by the committee originally, which it's a joke. It's There's no way to make sense of them being an A seed. And then I'm, I'm telling you, Carson, the charge call where the official was not even looking. I mean, the official was ball watching, wasn't even looking, and then saw a Stanford player fall and just pointed the other way. Uh. It might be the worst call I've ever seen at any level of basketball. I don't say that lightly. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here to make it sound like it was worse than it was. It might be the worst call I've ever seen at any level of basketball. The Oklahoma State women deserved better from the committee. They deserved better from the officials. Would they have beat Stanford if it was a well-officiated game? I don't know. Stanford's one of the best teams in the country. Upsets like that almost never happen, especially on the women's side. Um, but they only lost the game by 11. I mean, Oklahoma State was a very respectable eight seed that put up a good fight against the number one seed at Stanford. And they were done dirty by the committee and by the officials, and they deserved better. So I was, I'm, I'm very disappointed in the draw that a really good Oklahoma State team got. Their season came to an end earlier than it should have due to uh, powers beyond their control. It's a shame. It's those girls didn't deserve that. Jim Littell, Big 12 coach of the year, didn't deserve that. So mm -hmm. it was, I don't know what went on there. It was just hard to watch and stomach, but, but um, great season nonetheless. Uh, some other news of note, uh, Colby, uh, Braylon Presley, kid I love to watch this year from, from Bixby, uh, probably going to be the top player in the state next year. He put his top eight. Uh, OSU is in his top eight. His, obviously, his brother is Brennan Presley, already on campus at Oklahoma State. So OSU making his top eight. I just his. There was a period of time where OSU was only offer Colby. Now he, he's blown up. Some other programs have offered him as well. So uh, it's going to be a recruiting battle, I think. Even though his brother is already at OSU. Yeah, it was remarkable that it took him as long to get more offers as it did. I mean. This kid's a good player. He's a really good player. So I, I was shocked that it took him uh, as long to start warranting some of the offers that he's now getting. But I would love to have him in Stillwater. I, I really think, Carson, it's just as simple as some kids, you, you know, whenever they have a brother like Tylen and Trace, and obviously they're twins, that's a little bit different. But, you, you know, some guys, I think, 
want to go play with their brother whenever they come up together. Some guys don't. And I think that it's going to be up for Braylon to decide, you know, does he want to go follow in the footsteps of Brandon at Oklahoma State? Or does he want to go create a, kind of a separate legacy somewhere else that's separate from his brother? Uh, and that's up for him to decide. I, I hope he picks Oklahoma State, obviously, but uh, he's got a, a tough decision to make. So uh, I hope he picks Oklahoma State because he's a really good player. Like you said, he'll be the best player in the state of Oklahoma. Is this upcoming fall his senior year? is this his junior year coming up uh, i think this upcoming year is his senior year okay i think so too um yeah. so yeah he'd, he'd be a good get for oklahoma state and obviously they'd find a way to make him work on the offensive side because he can move well he he looked like reggie bush when i went to go watch him because they play him at running back they play him at slot receiver they just get him the ball in any way possible and i think that's something that you know, Casey Dunn's going to have to recruit him on is how he's going to be utilized in multiple different ways. They're not just going to line him up at receiver or just line him up at running back. And then you got to move him all over the field, kind of like they they really, frankly, should have done more with Chuba. I thought they just ran him between the tackles too much. I thought Chuba was a better receiver than, than he showed at OSU. But uh, they're going to have to recruit him on some of that creativity. So, and again, he was just – if you get a chance to go watch him this year, anyone that's listening, go do it. This kid is – absolute electricity when he gets the ball in his hand. The threat to score, you know, the, some of the best high school players in the country, you just queue up their tape and like they just get the ball anywhere and then they just go untouched for 60, 70 yards. That's what this kid would do every single time I, I went to go watch him. So yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm kind of getting fired up for high school football next year in the state of Oklahoma. I was talking to uh, Donovan Woods, obviously Oklahoma state. Great. Uh, he and I were texting back and forth last night. I was congratulating him. He's the, the Millwood defensive coordinator right now. Millwood's got a non non-district game against heritage hall earlier in the season. That's going to be awesome. Mm. I've got to get out and see Braylon Presley next year. There's going to be some good Oklahoma high school football and I'm getting way ahead of myself because it is March. 26th so anyway that uh we got a long ways to go yep long ways to go but i'm i'm fired up uh spring football's underway in stillwater i, I did want to mention this gunner gundy wearing number 12 for oklahoma state his dad's oh. number first quarterback since mike gundy to wear number 12 there was already you know he's already named gundy there's enough pressure with that as it is now he's wearing his dad's number but uh, there was a gunner gundy sighting he's officially back in action after sitting out the past year so it's gonna be interesting to see how the quarterback thing plays out with between spencer sanders shane ellingworth but uh gunner gundy's gonna throw his name in the hat colby yeah, he definitely will. Look, I, I covered Gunnar Gundy a little bit in high school. I got to call a couple of his games. He can sling it. Now, is he clean enough, polished enough to, to play at the D1 level, at the Power 5 level in the Big 12 uh, for an offense that, that has to move the ball? I honestly don't know. He may be. Uh, there's only one way to tell, and that's for him to, uh, you know, go through practice, get some reps, and may the best man win. Obviously, Spencer Sanders is the guy until further notice, but it'll be very interesting having uh, Little Gundy on campus and slinging it around because I, I tell you what, he can throw it. He's a lefty, which is weird. It's odd to watch, but he he can sling it. Yep, and the lefties always look a little cool. So, uh, we got anything else, Colby? What did I miss? It's a good question. Off the top of my head, I mean, my one interesting thing today was that uh, Oklahoma State, the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame class for 2021 was announced, and Oklahoma State has three former 
individual NCAA champions getting inducted into the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame this year. Scott Verplank, Danny Edwards, and David Edwards all won individual national championships at Oklahoma State, and they will all three be inducted in November to the Oklahoma Golf Hall of Fame. So shout out to those guys. Uh, other than that, there is a golf tournament, WGC match play being played down in Austin. It is not going well for the Pokes. Taylor Gooch, I believe, has been eliminated from group play. Victor Hovland, if I'm not mistaken, has been eliminated from group play. So uh, Matthew Wolf still has a chance to win in his group. He was two down through 16 to Jordan Spieth yesterday, and he won 17 and 18 to get a tie in that match after winning on Wednesday. So uh, keep an eye on Matthew Wolf today in his first tournament back after about six weeks weeks off uh with a hand injury so a little bit of golf being played and oklahoma state baseball has a good three-game series this weekend so baseball season's in full swing as is softball so spring sports rolling along yep no doubt it's gonna be fun to watch uh cade cunningham named the tisdale award winner and given to the nation's top freshman that's a very prestigious award the ceremony's here in oklahoma city so it's cool to see a local kid win that award he's also one of the four finalists for the naismith trophy which you can still go vote for if you're listening. So if you want Kate Cunningham to win the Naismith, go vote at naismithfanvote.com. You have five days left to do that between him, uh, the, the Illinois kids whose name I can't pronounce, Luke Garza, Corey Kispert. And uh, yeah, that's it. Those, those are the final four. So Io DeSumo. There you go. Better, better you than me. <laughs> so Colby, good stuff. Uh, we'll get back with you next week. Absolutely, everybody have a great weekend. And as always, 24-7, 365, go Pokes.